Today on CityCast Boise, I've got Boise State Public Radio's Jimmy Dawson with me to reflect on the one-year anniversary of the killing of four University of Idaho students and how their community is healing. We also puzzle over the latest antics from Raymond Bundy before diving into our ideal Thanksgiving menus. It's Friday, November 17th. I'm Blake Hunter, and this is What Boise's Talking About. Hey, Jimmy, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, always good to be here, Blake. So we're going to jump right into some pretty somber news. Um, This past Monday marked the one-year anniversary of the killing of four University of Idaho students, Zana Kernodal, Madison Mogan, Kaylee Gonsalves, and Ethan Chapin. They were murdered, you know, in a house near campus in Moscow. I'm sure that we all remember um, that happening last year. What a, what a tough, tough year um, for their families and for the University of Idaho community. Um, and really, I mean, even down here in Boise, we've, we've really felt it. And then as a reminder, the suspect in their killing, uh, Brian Koberger, is on trial, but that's uh, kind of in a delay stage. But earlier this week, the University of Idaho held a vigil for the victims and for their families. Our producer, Evelyn, reached out to former KTBB reporter Alex Duggan, who's now up at the Spokesman Review. I'm sure that, you know, listeners know who she is, friend of the show. But she um, went to that vigil and um, she told Evelyn a couple things about the energy shift over the past year, you know, so much has happened that it really feels like the worst, uh, you know, the worst has already been happened. This town was just like pounded by true crime kind of media types. And um, really what's left now a whole year later is like what's left now is just the victims and their families and the community. And so how have you seen this case shift in, in just the last couple of months and over this whole year? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, like you mentioned, there was just this huge blitzkrieg of national media coming in in the, you know, couple months after the murders. Uh, You know, you had uh, what I like to call murder porn podcasters, true crime podcasters, you know, uh, TikTok psychics. You had people masquerading as journalists going there and, and really just trying to extract as much as they could out of everyone in that community. And it was just such a drain, uh, I can imagine. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm from Lewiston originally and still have friends in Moscow, and they, they just talked about how horrendous that was. Uh, just always wondering whether you're going to run into someone on the street taking a live stream or video or what, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I know that Alex had a, a good section in her article about the vigil further on down talking just about like the psychological impact of, of dealing with the the media fallout from from all of that, uh, which I recommend everyone go read in the Spokesman Review. But it, yeah, it's, it, it's just a horrible situation, and you know we're we're I think just trying to get our feet under us uh, after a year. Yeah, there are already books <laughs> out about this, you know, which is just like, and the trial hasn't even started. It has literally hasn't started. Yeah, um, but you know, one of the things that Alex said too was just that at the vigil, you know. Koberger's name was not mentioned. It's all just like victim-centered at this point, which is is how it should be. It's where it should be at. It's where it should have been at the whole time. But at the actual vigil itself, it was just to commemorate um, the victims and, and you know, honor their families. And I, th- I think that's kind of telling that 
the national media was not at the vigil, right? They don't bother to, you know, actually go to the events that centered the victims, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is it just speaks volumes and it's incredibly sad. And I don't necessarily blame people for having an eroded uh faith in the media landscape unfortunately they kind of pass that on to the local journalists who are Mm -hmm. by and large doing their best and certainly did not participate in in those sorts of shenanigans as we saw in like like the early unfolding weeks of the manhunt for Koberger, etc but yeah it's just a sad state of affairs well yeah this is a case that we'll we'll continue to be watching and yeah just sending love and support to the community up in moscow Jimmy, you you wrote about the latest antics from Ammon Bundy uh, in the St. Luke's lawsuit. We'll get into what actually happened this week, but I want you, if you can, remind listeners what's going on here. What? How did this start? Yeah, because there's a lot to yeah <laughs> to kind of remember. You have to time travel back into a, a time that most of us want to forget. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of years ago, you had the grandson of one of Ammon Bundy's business partners and, and close personal friends, uh, Diego Rodriguez, apparently was having some health problems. You know, he the the grandson was an infant, uh, less than a year old, and apparently had missed some health checks that were mm-hmm. required under state law. And so police went and, you know, took the child and brought him to the hospital uh, where he received treatment for uh, his conditions. And that didn't sit well with Ammon or Diego. They both called for protesters to go to St. Luke's, whether that was uh, Meridian Hospital or the actual downtown Boise location as well. And so we had a couple days of protests where the hospital at one point was on lockdown. You had ambulances being diverted from uh, the downtown St. Luke's location. And then you had Diego and Ammon both online talking about how uh, St. Luke's was trafficking children and murdering them and profiteering off of all of this, uh, which caused St. Luke's to file a defamation suit, which they eventually won last August with a roughly $52 million payout that uh, uh, Diego Rodriguez and Ammon Bundy were supposed to pay. And ever since then, you know, We've been just tracking <laughs> whether or not they're hiding their assets uh, in mm-hmm. like a whole structure of LLCs or, you know, handing off, you know, uh, deeds to your house, to your friends, et cetera, what, whatever the case might be, um, as St. Luke's alleges. And they have continued, they being Diego and Ammon, have both continued to uh, go online and say all of these things again, even though a judge ordered them not to. So this particular court hearing was going to be on a contempt of court charge for that, for Ammon. And he, in the past, has refused to show up to court dates. He has a history of this. I was going to say, how many contempt of court charges does he have? Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this will be, I mean, depends on which case you're talking about. Right. So exactly. Yeah. In, th- in this case, you've got one until this week when he has another right. one uh, for failing to show up. He sent an email to the judge in the matter saying that, you know, I have much more important things to do right. and that he won't show up to any further court proceedings. So uh, that obviously doesn't sit well with a judge. Speaking of which, this judge had already moved this hearing back a little bit so that Ammon could go and harvest whatever mm. crops that he was raising at the time. Uh, he had requested that and she granted it. And she was not happy Um 
Judge Baskin, Nancy Baskin in Ada County Court, basically said, Mr. Bundy needs to learn that the court calendar is not his calendar and he can't just cancel it at any time he chooses. So she set out another warrant for his arrest for another contempt of court charge, $250,000. Wow. Forfeited his $10,000 bond that he had already posted in you know the previous contempt charge. And we're just waiting for him to get picked up on this. It, it took a long time for the Gem County Sheriff uh, in the previous contempt charge to actually go and serve that warrant, which was at right. a Emmett High School football fundraiser, mm-hmm. uh, which there was video of. That video, shown. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how we got here. And this is what the newest uh, information has. There was a trial supposed to be set for this week. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Um, do you know when, I mean, I'm assuming that we just don't have an actual date set yet of any idea of when this trial might get pushed to. I mean, it obviously depends on what Bundy does or if he does get arrested. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's all dependent on him being present in court and whether or right. not, you know, he actually posts that $250,000 bond. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Ammon Bundy is just this figure in Idaho politics that to some extent we all just have to deal with. <laughs> I And so how do you f- see this in like the long term of Bundy's kind of playbook? Because this isn't, you know, this isn't the Oregon situation, like he's not really successfully rallying the troops anymore. I mean, we saw his gubernatorial race kind of fell through and then the St. Luke's thing happened. And we've talked about a little about him a little bit on the show of just it kind of feels like maybe his influence is waning a little bit. Can you speak to that? I mean, you as a journalist, you you know, you've, you've covered him for a while. Do you feel like you can speak to that at all? Yeah. I, I, and one of my former co-workers, Heath Drusen, um, actually did a story on this um, maybe a year, year and a half ago. And I, I think you're right. I think his influence has waned a little bit, especially in light of he tried to insert himself in this uh, sort of North Idaho case where this family was saying that they were getting forced off of their ranch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In Clearwater County. Yeah, it was outside of Orfino. And Mm -hmm. he went up there. He called for to rally the troops up there. Some of them showed up. A lot of his former allies now, uh, keyword former, and realized, oh, wait, no, they just didn't pay their mortgage. Uh, Never mind. Please uh, forget that I was here and then left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, And so it's like, that sort of misstep really, as I believe Heath put it, you know, kind of kind of drove a spike in there of him not necessarily doing his research, just kind of being reactionary as opposed to being tactical and, and understanding like what each particular situation and its, you know, circumstances are. Yeah. Well, to some extent, we will continue covering this. Um, we try to be careful about how much time we dedicate to talking about him. Moving on a little bit, I just want to bring attention to uh, listeners attention to we're not going to have like a Friday news roundup episode next Friday because of Thanksgiving. But so that means that in the meantime, before we have a new another Friday news roundup, the city of Boise's new zoning code will be implemented. It actually gets implemented on December 1st. You know, it's not going to change a ton of things overnight, because just because it mostly affects new development. But just want to flag that to people. And um, also that Boise Dev reported this week that the reject Boise Upzone folks kind of put their 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 campaign to rest and said, you know, especially after the election last week, which again, I can't believe that that was only a week ago. But after the election, and you know, 
a whole slate of city council candidates, all four of the races were won by people who supported the zoning code rewrite. They had a comment in a video that they posted that was like, essentially like the voters didn't agree with us. You know, the voters didn't speak out in the way that we wanted them to. And so that kind of era of this bigger era of the zoning code rewrite is is dying down. And so I just wanted to let people know about that. All right, now moving on to some more fun things. Every every week we try to kind of talk about what what we've got going on the weekend. And it's it's kind of a weird weekend just because Thanksgiving is next week. But do you have anything fun going on? What are you up to? I, I guess it depends on whether or not you consider it fun. I do. Okay. So finalizing the Thanksgiving menu the last several yes. years. Right, right, okay. right. Yeah, so the last several years, I haven't been able to go home for Thanksgiving with my family. So it's like, okay, well, we're having Friendsgiving uh, on the actual Thanksgiving day. And right. so finalizing that menu, I'm not a big turkey fan. So I usually make like uh, Peruvian chicken. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So doing that, I guess, you know, you're a better person than I am if you do a turkey trot this weekend or on on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I just received a text from my family yesterday that was about participating in a turkey trot and I've been ignoring it. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a family of runners, so it's kind of hard to hard to avoid. But yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> well, if you if you do go, please <laughs> enjoy yourself. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, okay, I've been asking everyone. This is we're just going to derail this conversation now. I've been asking everyone because I'm a huge. I love to build a menu and all of that stuff. What are your essential Thanksgiving sides? Because I imagine that the Peruvian chicken instead of a turkey maybe it changes some things. Do you let that influence things? What's your What are your sides? So not too much, actually. Okay. Uh, okay. I do a sage sausage stuffing. Okay. Which classic. You know, I make I make myself. There's nothing wrong with stovetop if if that's all you got time for. Uh, I still think that that's delicious. Let's see, roasted Brussels sprouts are Ooh, are okay. key uh, yeah. here, and then whatever everyone else brings. I think uh, I also usually bake a couple loaves of bread. No mashed potatoes. This is a very controversial thing. <laughs> I I cannot oh, no. stand mashed potatoes. And I never have ever since I was a kid, which is interesting because I know a lot of people, they tell me that like that was the secret food that their parents like, you know, gave them to to then, secretly yeah. um, feed them vegetables. But I, I could never I could never do it. It's like a texture thing. I love roasted potatoes. Those are fine. But uh, no mashed potatoes. Are are you a big mashed potato guy? Uh, okay, I just blacked out, um, and I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna pretend like I didn't hear you. Yeah, I mean mashed potatoes are are key here. I think I've been stocking up on stock. Um, I've been making a bunch of stock over the last couple of weeks. Some like m- nice mushroom stuff, just because I have you know a lot of friends for Friendsgiving who are vegan or just don't eat poultry or anything like that. So making some good mushroom stock. Uh, I mean, mashed potatoes are for sure up there. And then, yeah, I agree with Brussels sprouts. I think Brussels sprouts are a good move or like green beans, some sort of roasted vibe. And I also appreciate a good homemade stuffing. And then my perfect combo that I found for desserts are like an apple tart and a pumpkin pie. I know some people don't love pumpkin pie, but since I was very young, I was just obsessed with pumpkin pie. So that that's kind of my spread. And then also, yeah, just welcoming other people to bring what they've got as well. Beautiful. Yeah, I agree with you. Pumpkin pie. uh, I didn't really like it as a kid. Love it now. It's wonderful. Oh, Um, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think we're going to have some kind of like espresso mocha pie or something that my girlfriend is baking. Like a nice little tart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be great. I appreciate you joining us, Jimmy. And I hope you have a great time perfecting your menu this weekend. Thank you. You as well, Blake. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Evelyn Avitia, Grant Irving, and Noah Snyderman. I write our Hey Boise newsletter with the help of Adrian Gonzalez this week. Our music is by local band Up Is The Down Is The. If you enjoyed our show today, send it to a friend. We'll be back on Tuesday with more stories from around the city. See you later. Hey, Jimmy, it's great to have you back on the show. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course, Blake. I was happy to come in. Awesome. (laughs) I was happy to come on. We can Um, can probably redo that. Okay. (laughs)